0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Now, the Coors Radio Network presents the Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. Thank you for making us part of your weekend on the Chorus Radio Network. You can send your emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, and I'm on Twitter. Follow me there, at the Roy Green Show. A lot said, a lot talked about, a great deal written about, a great deal reported on, on the uh, John Gomeshi trial this week in, uh, in Toronto, and a lot of surprises in that trial. But it also got people talking about sexual violence and violence toward women. Now, we're going to be talking about the trial from the criminal lawyer's perspective a little later on. Jeff Manishin will join us, partner at Ross McBride in Hamilton, former Crown Attorney. Now, criminal law specialist. He's handled many cases, sexual assault cases, murder cases. He's a prominent lawyer. And he's also been taking a long and hard look at what other criminal lawyers have had to say about what's gone on in that courtroom in the Gomeshi trial. So Jeff will be joining us. And uh, Gloria Allred will be with us, too, because Bill Cosby has been, as you may have heard, ordered to stand trial for a 2004 alleged sexual assault against Andrea constad of Toronto. So Cosby's going to trial. About time. And he's been ordered to present himself for a second deposition with Gloria Allred, who represents a number of women who are charging that Cosby sexually abused them including Judy Huth, who was 15 when she says Cosby took her to the Playboy Club and engaged in sexual misconduct. 15. 15. Some people have asked, well, why why would a guy, why would somebody with his kind of prestige and power and influence and money, uh, why would he behave that way? Why Why would he be sexually violent toward women? I don't have the answer to that, except I think some people are just wired badly. And they need to be stopped. Then there's this Darius Rush V. Valizadeh. I wouldn't talk about this guy normally, but... He and his misogynist followers on the Return of the King's website, and they argue, among other things, that rape should be legalized. They're planning a 40-nation public gathering, including in Canadian cities at 8 o'clock tonight. I wouldn't have said a thing about him. Except we have Canadian mayors, city big city mayors, responding and, and reacting to Roosh V. Mayors of Ottawa, Calgary, Toronto, Edmonton have condemned him. Sometimes it's better to just ignore these people. Dela Israel is the manager of victim services and outreach programs for the national organization Women Against Violence Against Women. They're based in Vancouver. And I had a, an opportunity... Am I pronouncing your first name correctly? It's Dahlia. I know I'd I'd managed to mangle it. Thank you, Dahlia, for joining us.
1: No problem. Thanks for having us. Um,
0: What's the most... Let me start with this. What's the most significant common denominator um, when it comes to violence against women? women. And I and, and by extension, what are the statistics nationally suggest the likelihood a woman in Canada will face violence and sexual violence in her lifetime?
1: So the statistics tell us that it's one in three women in Canada that will experience sexualized violence in some at some point in her lifetime. And I think the the common denominator tends to be that women carry the shame that's actually not theirs. Um I think so often we talk about women being responsible for the sexualized violence that's committed against them, and that's just not the case. Women are never responsible for the sexual violence committed against them.
0: You know, I heard heard that fairly, I mean, I heard that position put forward recently after the sexual assaults and the the, um, harassment that took place in Cologne in Germany on New Year's Eve. The, The mayor of Cologne, a woman, stepped forward and said, well, maybe you should be careful where you walk and what you dress and what you you wear when you... I I, I thought, where's this coming from? Yeah. What kind of thinking... So you're telling the women who were themselves subjected to harassment and and, and sexual assault, maybe you should be careful where you walk and what you dress,
1: what you wear. Yeah. that's, That's the pervasive kind of narrative that's out in our society. And I think that... You know, many years ago, that was why slut walk started was because there was a police officer at York University in Ontario that was telling women not to behave like sluts so that they wouldn't get raped. So, you know, it's everywhere. It's in our news reports that we see where, you know, women have been assaulted in the community. At the end of those reports, it's always, you know, women should be careful at night. Don't walk on your own. Walk with somebody else. And so every time we re-establish and re-report and continue to have these conversations these are the things that end up telling women that ultimately they're to blame and and it's never about the reality that perpetrators should be held responsible or institutions that are meant to keep us safe should be held accountable for not perpetuating that violence against women is actually not our fault.
0: When a criminal trial involving sexual assault and or other assault charges happens in this country, a trial in which a man, perhaps a nationally known figure, faces such charges, what is the reaction among women? Do you see an increase in calls or reports of assaults? In other words, does a trial like the Gomeshi trial cause women in Canada to report violence against them, which they've kept quiet, and kept quiet perhaps for a long time?
1: Yeah. You know what? It, it, survivors are watching, right? We're, we're tuned in to how the media responds, how people in our lives respond, how police and how lawyers respond. Um, and, for example, last night on the National, on the CBC, they chose to, as you're going to do later, um, interview a defense lawyer to cover the trial. John Rosen. Um, Exactly.
0: John but, Rosen, I, I, I interviewed him after the Bernardo trial. The only interview John Rosen gave immediately after the Bernardo trial was to me.
1: Okay. But their coverage wasn't balanced. So they didn't have anyone else speaking about the context of this. And and the language that was used around women's testimony was that there were, quote-unquote, inconsistencies in women's behavior due to the emails that have come out and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no context for the complexities of being assaulted by somebody that we know, that we like, that we might even love, right? Um, And it's really not nearly as cut and dry as the mainstream narrative wants it to be because women are assaulted inside of their marriages, inside of relationships, inside of friendships that have been long lasting, meaningful friendships. And so what we should be talking about is being accountable to each other and, you know, sadly, the CBC did very little to balance or counter that one particular narrative that John Rosen was offering last night. So if women feel supported and believed, of course, they're going to talk about what has happened to them and not be isolated with mm-hmm. that. But if they don't feel supported and they whether won't. that's from an individual or in the, the media or what they're seeing out there, they're not going to talk about it.
0: No. Um We were were just talking about first responder um, PTSD in the last hour, and the fact that we have—you know—we already have nine first responders committing suicide in this country in 2016, and how they've been abandoned largely by governments. And we started once we started talking about it, and once there was support for for first responders, the calls started to come in from first responders. Yeah. So that's what it's seen about, nationally, right? nationally
1: stories of young women who couldn't stay on the planet, right? Retea Parson, yeah. Amanda Todd. These are young girls who were totally isolated yeah. and nobody believed them yeah. and they couldn't stay on the planet. So, you know, that's the true measurement about success. I think when we talk about sexual assault, it's not about how many women will report to police. It's how many women are not feeling isolated and that's, you know, our true measurement. Yeah.
0: And for for, I mean, for every man... And I, I, know. I mean, I, I know the, I know my friends, and I know there's respect for women, great respect. Mm-hmm. At least that's all I've ever seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but for every man, there's there are women in in, in their lives, mothers, daughters, sisters, wives, cousins. Mm-hmm. It's it's time to listen, um, and and that's why I'm talking to you, and then I'm going to be talking to the to the lawyer. Get the legal mm-hmm. perspective. I wanted to get both both perspectives on the issue this yeah. hour. That's why that's why we're talking. And I appreciate you okay. doing this. We'll take a break. We're going to come back and we'll take we'll talk to you some more about um about about what's going on in violence uh, toward toward women and um, the organization is Women Against Violence Against Women, and it's Dalia Israel. I got it right this time, right? <laughs> okay, we'll come right back. You're listening to the Roy Green Show, all along the chorus radio network. So Justin Trudeau, how they say it in uh, French radio. Justin Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, and his government are increasing the cost to Canadian taxpayers by nine hundred million dollars, just by allowing the public service. To start to bank sick days again. Nine hundred million dollars. I'm going to talk about that with Catherine and Michelle later on. Women Against Violence Against Women, the organization. They're based in Vancouver, national organization. And with me is Dahlia Israel. She is the. Uh, Let me get the title absolutely correct here. Manager of Victim Services and Outreach Programs for Women Against Violence Against Women. Dahlia, who's on trial? We're talking about the Gameshi trial. We're talking about... That's going to be the focus this hour. Who's on trial? Is it the man facing criminal charges who's on trial in the public arena? Or perhaps the woman who's testifying against that man and who's quizzed on her her behavior toward the man prior to, during, and immediately subsequent to what she testified was an assault and or sexual assault against her. Who I guess who receives the benefit of, uh, the default benefit of doubt in the public arena? This is
1: It's so interesting to think about this. I think in the public arena... Men who commit sexualized violence against women traditionally become monsters, right? We want to make them crazy and scary or men who have severe mental health issues up until the trial. And then I think we're seeing this unfold with the Gomeshi trial. Then women still remain to blame for the violence that's enacted upon them. So, of course, we don't necessarily say this outright that women are to blame. But all of the conversations in the public sphere are a line of questions our curiosities, they all back up the notion that women are blameworthy and perhaps even deserve the violence that they experience. So when in reality, of course, we know that uh, women are not responsible for the sexualized violence committed against them, and it is the perpetrator that must be held accountable for the violence, and they're the ones that have transgressed boundaries and, and had an impact on that woman's life.
0: How frequently does a woman's story begin with these words? I was raped by someone I knew, someone I considered mm-hmm. a friend, someone I had absolute faith in. How often do you hear that?
1: The statistics tell us that it's 80% of women that report being assaulted by someone they know and trust. And and really, if you think about it, it, it makes sense, right? Those are the people that have the closest contact to us and have the most opportunities to transgress us as well, which is. You know, incredibly sad, but certainly at Wava, that's what we see with our clients as well. That the vast majority of women are assaulted by someone they know and trust.
0: So, if we take that that line, then uh, the if we take the the charge, the complaint, the call to mm-hmm. you
1: mm-hmm.
0: that starts this way: I was raped by someone I knew and considered a friend. So, if we take that, mm-hmm. and then we move forward to the potential of a of a trial, mm-hmm. a charge in a trial. Some of the public view concerning sexual assault charges laid against a man by a woman often will be, and I've heard this, and I've heard it on the on the air. I've heard this. There must have been some miscommunication. Mm-hmm. There must have been, you know, maybe there was just, maybe it just wasn't clear what the, what the, what the, you know, what was and what wasn't acceptable. Maybe, maybe there was a miscommunication. What do you say to that? <laughs>
1: It's so interesting because as human beings, we communicate for the vast majority of our lives, right? I think it's it's so patronizing to men to say that they have the wherewithal to run most governments, businesses, banks, hold the most high-paying jobs and are incredibly successful at communications, but all of a sudden when it comes to sex with a woman, an act that is well known to be full of potential for transgression that they wouldn't take extra precautions. So I think it's important that we don't conflate miscommunication with violence because that's what we're talking about. If if you genuinely care about and respect the person that you're engaging in sex with and don't put your own needs above theirs and feel entitled to their body in any way, then you won't rape them. Like that's really the end of the story on that
0: one. <laughs> So how difficult is it for a woman to come forward with a complaint to police, and uh, as you know, I'm going to be speaking to a criminal lawyer, also I'm, tomorrow I'm going to be speaking with a criminal lawyer who used to advise women he knew personally, and who, who would approach him about having been sexually assaulted by a man they knew, also personally, to not mm-hmm. report the rape, because, he said, if you go to court, it'll be a he said, she said, and the man will be acquitted. So he's he would give advice not to move forward. He thought about that a lot, his two little daughters, and he decided, no, I'm wrong. I'm going to change my approach. I'm going to be talking to that lawyer tomorrow. So how difficult is it for a woman to come forward with a complaint to police?
1: So we often do an exercise in public education situations where we ask our audience to think about their last sexual experience in detail. Um, and then give them a moment with that. And then we tell them to turn to the person next to them and describe exactly what they had just had in their mind. And most participants, as you can imagine, are are pretty hesitant and embarrassed and waiting for us to tell them that it's actually not required that they follow those directions. And then we ask them to imagine if that experience was that of violation or when where their boundaries and their bodies had been crossed. And it literally stops people in their tracks And really, like, that's what we're asking women to do. And it's very often right after they've just finished hours at a hospital getting forensic evidence collected, um, there's nothing easy about the road of reporting. And women do deserve better. So if women want to report because that is one of the main ways we hold men accountable for the violence they've committed in our society right now, then women should be supported 100%.
0: We have about a minute and a half. Let me combine two questions for you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Are police and prosecutors willing to accept a rape accusation, um, as they should be, and do women with any degree of frequency falsely lay complaints against a man?
1: So for the first question, you know, it's, it's police and Crown's job to be investigating and prosecuting crimes. And in Canada, we've said that consent means saying yes, to any sexual contact and also being able to take away our yes. So they have to be held accountable for what their roles are. And as far as women laying false complaints, you know, just as I mentioned, like there's no easy road to reporting and the scrutiny, public scrutiny, self-scrutiny, all of that that women go through in choosing to go this road, it's under 1% of the, the claims that are false, quote-unquote. So no, I would say that, it's not even a consideration.
0: In, uh, in in about 10 seconds, what do you say to a woman or a man who was victimized by a sexual assault and who's been silent about it, told no one, perhaps for many years? What's the advice to that person about coming forward?
1: Um, I would say that women and survivors respond to sexual violence differently and that they have the right to choose their own path to healing and justice.
0: Dahlia, thank you very much for the time. Thank you. Really appreciate talking to you. Thank you.
1: Thanks.
0: Dahlia Israel, she's the manager of uh, victim services and outreach programs at Women Against Violence Against Women. When we come back, Jeff Manishin, criminal lawyer and a former prosecutor, and he'll talk to us about his assessment of the Gomeshi trial. He's also been following the reaction of criminal lawyers across the country. Don't go away.